Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. Happy Labor Day, Duval, if you're listening to this on Monday. If not, uh, well, you should be, because we've got a fun show coming up today. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Jeremy Markoski. The Jaguars had a busy weekend, cutting the roster down to 53 players. They also traded Ronnie Harrison to the Browns on Thursday for a fifth-round pick. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and they signed 15 guys to the practice squad. Obviously, one spot still available on that practice squad. We'll talk about that. But the main crux of the show today, we will take a look at the Jaguars' schedule, and we will give our 2020 record predictions. We'll go game by game, compare our notes for every uh, every game there, and give a final record prediction. So that'll be really exciting. We're less than a week away from football, Jeremy. How are you feeling? I am pumped. It's finally about time. Labor Day weekend rolls around. That's the beginning of football. I'm so excited. Happy uh, Labor Day weekend to everybody out there. Hope you're enjoying the weekend. Family, friends, whatever you're doing, staying safe out there. Uh, yeah, Jaguars had a very busy uh, you know, weekend coming into it. A lot of moves made. Um, some questioning as to whether or not they made the right moves. Uh, but you know what? It's time. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. Let's play some football. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I think everybody's ready for it. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and of course, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. Check out genjag.com for all the latest news and analysis, plus all the Duval gear you will ever need. All right, Jeremy, let's get into it, starting with the 53-man roster notes we've got. I think there's certainly some interesting uh, positions to go over here. Start off with strong safety. Like we said, the Jaguars traded Ronnie Harrison to the Browns for a fifth-round pick on Thursday. What are your thoughts on that? And then we'll talk about what's still left on the roster there at that position. I think even with Harrison's camp, you know, he was outplayed. You know, a lot of the reports are saying Josh Jones looked great. Um, you know, some other guys did some special things still a little bit questionable in regards to, you know, that move being made so close to the season. He's still your most seasoned, you know, you gotta say quote unquote veteran at this point in that group, uh, you know, just because of his playing time here in Jacksonville. Um, I understand that, you know, we're probably moving away from that collection of players. Um, you know, it's still a little disheartening to see that they couldn't keep you know the locker room together. That core they were building only lasted, you know, a mere three years. We're starting to see all these guys get moved, shipped out. They're building a new culture. Kind of falls back into, you know, questioning why now, you know, especially if we're in this, you know, win now mentality. I don't think you can just reset everything and win right away. But a lot of guys in there showed some promise. So for them to be able to hopefully step in and kind of, you know, fill that void, I don't think they're filling huge shoes by any means. You know, Harrison had some missteps, um, you know, at, at times on the field. But again, young player showed a lot of promise. But if you have a group of guys that you think can step in and fill that hole 
and play just as well and be just as productive, then, you know, why not move it for a fifth round pick? Why not go ahead and get some more draft capital? I understand the move. I guess, like I said, you want to get the attitude out of there. And if you've got the guys that are going to make everything okay, then you know it's not a bad move. So we'll see what happens. I think, uh, like you said, like I said, Josh Jones is really going to be the guy I think that needs to step up. Um, he's probably going to be starting alongside Jared Wilson week one. Um, you know, so hopefully, he, you know, he can be a productive player. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not going to take a lot to be more consistent than Ronnie was. He certainly had some fantastic highs in terms of making some really big plays that were impressive from a physical standpoint. But for every one of those, he probably had two to three just boneheaded plays, whether it came down to a personal foul or just a missed assignment being out of position. So it's not like these guys have a huge bar to live up to from a consistency standpoint. Uh, I do think Josh Jones will be the day one guy, like you said. Um, he's got experience. Uh, 2017 second round draft pick didn't really pan out with the Packers. Was mostly special teams last year, but he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Jaguars are saying that he beat out Ronnie Harrison in camp. So, yeah, and and that's great. You know, you want to see a young player come make those steps, and you're right. For every great play Ronnie Harrison made, he made a lot of boneheaded plays as well. And I think what we saw a lot with that, you know, when I say core group, we saw a lot of me players. And I think it all started, you know, with Jalen. We're still looking back at the impacts that Jalen had on this locker room and on that group of defensive backs, really. Um, So I I don't mind the move. Again, he was probably by far the best guy in that room, whether mentally, physically, however you want to look at it. But I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, physically, gosh, I don't know about Josh Jones's athletic numbers, but Daniel Thomas, he doesn't have a lot of height, but his athleticism is really off the charts, uh, you know, in terms of his explosion with his leaping ability and even his speed. Um, so I think it'll be a fun group to watch. I'm not sure what to expect, honestly. I don't think anybody really knows. I do think Jared Wilson opposite them will be, uh, steady as he goes type player as he was last year not going to make a lot of flashy plays but also not going to screw up a lot that's what we need we don't necessarily need you know guys making individual plays I mean obviously those are nice but I want to see a more cohesive unit this year a more cohesive unit let's play as a team as a defense you know hopefully they have some of these guys who are bought into the same mindset uh, you know and, and aren't going to be out of position thinking make that you know they can make their own plays uh, you know the reports a long time ago that Jalen just wants to run man all the time, you know, and do his own thing. I, you know, that could have had a very negative impact on everybody else. You know, maybe he's was rubbing off. And, and like I said, it's all about the attitude and, you know, buying into the team goal and the team effort. So if this team can come together and play cohesively as a unit, you know, it should be, it should be all right. Yeah. And Ronnie says that, uh, the Cleveland Browns have uh, one goal in mind as a team, so he's excited to be there, happy to be out of Jacksonville. So good for him. Best wishes to Ronnie Harrison. No ill will against him. The Jaguars will play the Browns later this year. That'll be fun. They also play the Vikings, obviously, where Unique Ngakwe went. So those will be some interesting games for sure. Moving on from safety, though, uh, running back, the Jaguars brought in Devontae Freeman for a workout. It ended up not working out. I mean, he got offered a one-year, $4 million deal earlier this summer by the Seahawks, and he turned it down. As I wrote earlier uh, in the weekend, I don't think I didn't think that the Jaguars were really going to beat that type of offer because <laughs> they like their guys, and I don't think they're trying to spend a lot of money at running back after getting rid of Lillian Fournette. So, yeah, no Devontae Freeman for the Jaguars. He's still a free agent. But the guys that are there, uh, Chris Thompson, Devino Zigbo, James Robinson are the healthy guys. Raquel Armstead is back on the COVID-19 list. No clue what's going on with that. But, um, yeah, the running back room is obviously going to be almost entirely different than it was last year when you look at Thompson and Ozigbo and Robinson getting a lot of carries uh, and a lot of touches, a lot of snaps probably in week one. I didn't expect him to sign Freeman either. Um, I think if this is more of just say, hey, guys, we are looking, uh, you know, make it look like the team's doing something. I really don't think they're going to make many moves. I really don't. I think they're set with the guys they have. 
seeing Rock go back on the COVID list, like you said, a little puzzling. Not really sure what's going on there, but obviously this wasn't a foreseen situation because I think if it does, you don't let go of Fournette. I mean, even with everything going on, now you're down to three men. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a free agent acquisition at Chris Thompson, who is familiar with the offense. And so I guess that's, you know, the only really saving grace right now. You've seen flashes from a Zigbo, um, and, you know, in the undrafted uh, rookie James Robinson, uh, you know, has, has, has shined and, and they say he might be the workhorse. But again, you're looking at two guys who don't have much on-field experience and one guy who's new to the team. Again, familiar with the offense, that's going to help. But I think if you could have foreseen, which obviously you couldn't, this Armstead issue, then maybe you don't let Leonard go. Maybe you keep that power back in there, even if he's, you know, a little bit different than Chris Thompson. He doesn't fit the scheme, you know, they say, and I understand that. But now you're losing depth, and you've got to rely on two guys who haven't seen the field very much in their NFL careers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if there's one running or one position in football that you really don't need a ton of experience, it is running back. And going back to Washington days with Jay Gruden, he got production out of all sorts of running backs. So I'm not too worried about it. I do think depth will be a, obviously something to watch. If one of these guys goes down, it could be trouble. But on the whole, I'm not too worried about it. Um, and then looking at uh, the rest of the offense here, they pretty much stood pat at wide receiver. No surprises there. Uh, one surprise, though, that I did have, somewhat surprising, they did keep fullback Bruce Miller. Jaguars haven't had a fullback on the roster for a couple years. Uh, I think surprised me a little bit. Probably surprised a lot of people to see a fullback on the roster. But he impressed a lot of folks out uh, on the Jaguars coaching staff with uh, the kind of shape that he's in and the athleticism that he still brings to the table after not being in the NFL for a few years. So I think he's a guy that's not going to be super involved all the time. But there will be packages and situations where you see Bruce Miller and I think he'll be able to get the job done. I think you see a lot of things uh, from Bruce Miller that you haven't seen in the past from other fullbacks. Like you said, we haven't really had one on the roster, but experience is one. And I think that's great. Bruce Miller has been around the league. Uh, I think they're going to use him, like you said, in, in a couple of different interesting packages. I don't think it's bad to have a lead block. If you have the open roster spot, you might as well utilize it. And I think uh, the last fullback the Jags on the roster, if I'm not mistaken, was Bohannon. Um, you could, Fact check me on that, but I think the last roster spot that was held by a fullback was Tommy Bohannon. I'm pretty um, sure that's correct. And yeah. you know, it, it just it's just an extra an extra man for extra whew, extra man for uh, you know special teams, um, you know some jumbo packages, some stuff up front, uh, maybe some goal line stuff. Uh, you know that that West Coast style offense has you know uh, a good tendency to lack some of that power lead. Uh, so I think it's good to have him in there. I think we will use him. I think you'll see, like I said, a lot of in goal line situations, special teams, you know, punt protection, stuff like that. He'll be utilized. Yeah, and I think he can even do some stuff with his athleticism in terms of not just being a blocker, but, you know, actually being able to help the offense in certain situations. When you look uh, on the other side of the ball, defense, Doug Costin and Luke Barku, uh, two undrafted free agents, they made it over there. Costin's a defensive tackle. I think he absolutely earned it in camp. He can really penetrate, was beating a lot of uh, interior linemen off the snap and getting into the backfield. And then Barku, I mean, he was one of those priority undrafted free agent type guys. He led college football in interceptions last year. He's an exciting guy that had a good camp and a lot of potential for him to even eventually maybe be a starter down the line. Yeah, a little bit. Surprising in regards to the defensive line. Um, I think they kept a few more people than I expected. Um, I know you were pretty set on them having a bigger group at the defensive line position, but you see a lot of these guys who can kind of do a lot of everything. Um, so I thought maybe they would cut a few of those guys. I would have liked to have seen another offensive tackle really thrown into the mix. Um, Will Richardson's probably going to be their go-to guy at either side if a tackle goes down. But even then, we've seen more of him on the inside. Um, I think you actually saw him play pretty well on the inside last year. Um, if you look at the splits between him and AJ Cam, when he was on the field, the Jags ran the ball a little more effectively. So I would have liked to have seen a more traditional tackle brought in. Obviously, Tyler Shatley is going to be your center and, and, and back up to both guards um, and Barch as well. But Shatley's mainly an interior guy. 
and Richardson can be that swing guy. So can Barch, but you know, again, experience. We don't have a lot of experience uh, and depth on the offensive line. Um, you know, it's much more important, I think, to have that experience at the tackle position. So I'm surprised they didn't, you know, kind of move something there. Um, there is a good amount of experience in the starting line. The starting line, yeah. But what happens sure. when someone goes down? You know, it's and that's something you right. have to plan for. Um, and they like the guys in that room. Ben Barch is young. Uh, they liked what they saw from him all camp. So, um, you know, they're comfortable with it. But again, like I said, personally, would have liked to have seen some more uh, experience, especially at the tackle position. Um, like I said, wide receiver came out pretty much like we expected it. I'm surprised they didn't move somebody still. Um, but I'm starting to see this, this front office is not going to make very many moves uh, unless they're shipping somebody away for draft capital, it seems like. Um, over in the cornerback room, though, I do like uh, Josiah Scott a lot. He's got the athleticism, got uh, the ability to make some plays. I uh, wish we could have saw a little bit more uh, from him in camp. But, um, you know, a guy I really like a lot is, is Clay Brooks. I know we're not going to see him really out there, um, on, you know, in defensive packages. But the guy's electric, and he's fast, and I can't wait to see him make some plays on special teams. Yeah, he should be really exciting. And he's been, you know, a little bit more dedicated than what I expected from a cornerback standpoint. With his athletic ability and his movement ability, I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up being able to play like some nickel corner down the line. I know Josiah Scott's there and you got DJ Hayden there currently, but he couldn't be a be a decent player on defense as well. But yeah, from a special teams kick return, punt return standpoint, he should be a lot of fun. I'm still a little bit worried about the starters on the outside at cornerback, CJ Henderson and Trey Herndon. Herndon was a guy I was very excited about going into the offseason, going into training camp, but I thought he had some struggles. A lot of people will against this Jaguars receiving group, so maybe I'm being too hard on him. Um, And then CJ, I think, was pretty up and down and mostly down at the end of camp. I think CJ, yeah, I think he had a lot of mental stuff going on. I mean, I think it's, you know, he's he's getting his head a little too early. I think it's a little bit. I think he might have been bored. I hope you're not bored as a rookie and you're free in training camp. You need to be making progress, showing these guys what you can do. First round pick. You can't be bored. That's I terrible. agree. You cannot. He just be didn't bored. really look interested to me, but he didn't look interested, man. That, that is a problem early. Um, you don't want to I mean, see that from a first round pick. I could pick. be totally wrong just cause like he is a type of guy that I think it's hard to get, um, hard to read him, hard to see what's going on. He's got a very, uh, just plain, face same face all the time you know what i mean right right yeah no emotion not really kind of getting into it maybe that's just you know him as a player yeah uh, so but you saw him fired up at uf you saw him fired up a lot i mean so definitely hopefully, game hopefully day. not yeah hopefully he's not upset to be here um you know we don't want to start this cycle over again i wouldn't be surprised um doesn't seem like everyone's happy to be in jacksonville right now but what can you say team doesn't win very much they're obviously botching a lot of moves but Again, though, from that that group, you've got some young talent. I really want Herndon to make a jump. Like I said, I like Herndon a lot too. I think he's shown some flashes to be a really good, uh, you know, man on coverage guy. But he's got to be consistent, and he's got to show that you know, week in and week out, he can lock down a number two. Because I think CJ early on, you, he's going to have to be on on the opponent's number one guy. I think I don't know if they're going to have him travel. I doubt it. But he's you drafted him to be that lockdown guy. He needs to be that lockdown guy. Yeah, and you just got to kind of deal with the mistakes that are bound to happen there and speaking of mistakes Trey Herndon I mean he got penalized for pass interference just about every game last year that's something he's really going to have to work on and obviously sometimes it is better to get that PI call than to get uh you know a touchdown scored on you but that just tells you that you're not in the right position to make a play we saw penalty issues across the entire team last year, offense and defense. It was a big setback. You know, that's something they have to clean up. Something they have hopefully been working on cleaning up uh, in the offseason, especially on the offensive line. Too many holdings, uh, you know, from players that shouldn't be. You know, we saw a lot from Jawan Taylor. In, uh, penalties were a big issue with his game last year. But solid player. You clean that up, and, you know, he, he has a pretty solid rookie year. Yeah, for sure. And then a couple other roster notes, and then we'll get to the practice squad. Tremaine Brock, he moved to IR. 
He was the most veteran cornerback, obviously, but he didn't have a great camp either. So I don't think it's a huge loss from a on-field perspective, maybe from a leadership perspective. Uh, and then Ross Matisic, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. He beat out Matthew Orsek for the uh, starting long snapper job, which of course there's only one long snapper job. So he is the long snapper. He's an undrafted rookie from Baylor. So that's cool to see a Sucks for Matt, obviously, but cool to see an undrafted rookie come in and be able to earn a job. Yeah, make the roster however you can. Long snapper, whatever you need to do, make that roster, make that money, man. Congrats to him. Yeah. And then, so the practice squad, Mike Glennon is on the practice squad. That's normally not something you would see uh, a veteran being eligible for the practice squad, but the NFL's relaxed the rules on the practice squad this year. Uh, expanded it to 16 players. Six of those guys can be, you know, any age experience, any experience in the NFL. So Glennon is one of those guys that um, is on the practice squad that normally wouldn't be. I think having a third quarterback on the practice squad is good. Uh, Glennon's not a great backup, but, you know, he's played for John Gruden. He's been in the system this whole offseason. So I don't think it's, I think it's a positive thing to have him on the practice squad. Absolutely, especially you know with the uncertainty of the season, especially at the most important position on the field. Um, you know, you're gonna have to have somebody ready to go at all times. Um, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but uh, did you see Josh McCown? Uh, he's gonna be on the Eagles practice squad, living in Texas, uh, making twelve thousand dollars a week. So it's not a bad time to be a veteran quarterback. Uh, you know, for an insurance policy right now. Um, I'm a little surprised that it wasn't Lutton, if we're being honest. Um, but apparently they, they really liked what they saw enough to keep him on the 53. Um, but it's going to be important that you have a guy ready to go at all times, like I said, because at any time anybody could go down. And uh, going into game day with one quarterback on the 53 is not ideal. Yeah. Luton or Lutton, I'm not sure the correct pronunciation there. I thought it was Luton when he was coming out of the draft. But anyways... uh yeah, I don't think they wanted to risk the potential for a team to snipe him and put them on put him on their active roster. Uh, Jaguars and other teams can protect four players each week that are on their practice squad. It'll start on Tuesday. They can designate those players as protected. And then uh, those players cannot be signed to another team's active roster until after the Jaguars game that week. And then the Jaguars can re-protect every Tuesday. Yeah, and I think you'll see that quarterback position being protected every week. Um, so again, that that thing with Lutton, you know, they they didn't want anybody to steal him. I understand that, but like I said, I think that quarterback is going to be protected every single week. I think that's going to be uh, seen across the league. You know, I don't think anybody, unless the team obviously is running three on the fifty-three, but I haven't seen uh, m- you know many of the other roster breakdowns yet. So I'm not sure what teams, if any, are running three quarterbacks on the fifty-three man roster. But whatever quarterback they have on the practice squad will be protected. Um, outside of that, looking at the practice squad, maybe guys like Josh Hammond, who showed a lot of promise in training camp. I don't really see many of the people that, you know, we could do, uh, you know, who, who we'd have to lock down and, and keep protected. Um, you got some yeah. young guys on there that, you know, you want to probably get a look at, but I don't think a lot of people are going to become a poaching players off the Jaguars practice squad. No, that's not usually how it works too often, but you look at those receivers on there, like you said, Josh Hammond. Terry Godwin, Trey Quinn, those are all talented receivers that could easily help an NFL roster. Josh Hammond by far was one of my uh, biggest surprises in camp. So you're right. Maybe, uh, you know, the team saw the same thing we did and they want to come get a playmaker. Um, Three drafted Florida, uh, or not three drafted, three, yeah, all three drafted Florida uh, rookie wide receivers made the active 53. Uh, And then you have, you know, Hammond on the practice squad. So a uh, good year to be a Gator wide receiver. Which Gator receivers are you talking about there? Wasn't it uh Tyree Swain? Oh, okay. And, yeah. um, I'm forgetting the third, but uh, yeah, all, th- all three drafted made their active 53s. Oh, Van Jefferson, obviously. Van Jefferson. Yes. Yes. There you go. I knew there was one more big one I was missing there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a talented group. They still have a talented group down there in Gainesville at receiver too. So that'll be fun to watch this this fall as well. Uh, Sidney Jones, a uh, few Eagles reporters confirmed that he was going to be signing with the Jaguars practice squad. Hasn't happened yet. 
wouldn't worry about it too much. It is kind of crazy to see a guy who I thought was the top cornerback in his class before he injured his Achilles at his uh, pro day and fell to the second round of the Eagles. Hasn't really been able to get 100% back on track. He did finish 2019 strong with a few good games. So, gosh, I'm just really excited to see him. Uh, If that does come to fruition, I'm really excited to see him in Jacksonville and who knows, potentially this is a guy that could come in and make this cornerback group more competitive. Absolutely. And we spoke about this a little bit before. If this does come to light and this does end up being true, I'm very excited about this. I told you earlier, I think that he could potentially just crack the 53 man right off the bat. Um, you know, someone like maybe Barku, who is young and you haven't really seen a lot of him yet, maybe, you know, give him some time on the practice squad. Um, and let Sidney Jones uh, you know, take the act of 53. He's shown some flashes in Philadelphia. He's shown some flashes of being a really good corner. So that is definitely one of the most exciting guys to see uh, on the practice squad and potentially the 53 going forward if that does uh, you know, become a signing. Yeah. And then my last real interesting note, I thought they did keep Nathan Cottrell on the practice squad, the rookie. Uh, he is a undersized back. He's like 5'11", 193, so he's kind of slight. But fastest running back on the team, so he'll be there. If they do need to call up a running back, he could be a guy that potentially uh, you know, gets some playing time this year if injuries do strike. would be interesting to see. Like I said earlier, we're really thin at running back. Only three on the 53, so you know, if somebody goes down, we're going to need somebody to step up. No doubt. Now, what you've all been waiting for for 25 minutes, it's time to get in to our Jaguars record predictions. Right before we get into it, though, I would like to ask everyone, if you enjoy the show, please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out, helps other people that are Jaguars fans find the show. And uh, it it would mean a lot to us if you guys could take some time to go do that. But now, without further ado, Jaguars record predictions. The Jaguars take on the Colts this Sunday. Uh, We will do another podcast that dives deeper into that matchup. We'll talk about it a little bit right now. Jeremy, why don't you start us off? Jaguars versus Colts, week one. Who's winning that game? Oh, man, right off the bat here, going to have to take the L. Um, It's the Colts at home. Uh, Doug Marone, like you noted, has not lost to the Colts at home as the head coach of the Jaguars. However, the Jaguars' Achilles heel has made his way into Indianapolis, and that is Phillip Rivers. I feel like every time we play Phil, he just slices and dices the defense, tears us to shreds. Um, you know, it's, it's never a pretty matchup with him. Over on the West Coast, having to travel out there, the Jaguars never play well on the West Coast, so maybe we'll get you know a little bit uh, of a better chance over here on the East Coast at home. But you know, I think it's going to take a, a little bit longer for the offense to get into game speed. You know, with there being no preseason. Uh, so I think having a veteran quarterback is really going to benefit some of these teams early on. And I think the Colts are going to have their way, uh, you know, with a young Jaguars defense. And the offense is probably going to be a little slow. Remember, that Colts defense is very, very much improved from last year. Yeah. Talk about DeForest Buckner. Obviously, they've got Darius Leonard. They've got an, a lot of other talented defenders. I don't think their defense is complete, per se. Uh, I do think as evidenced by what the Jaguars did to him at the end of last season. There are some chinks in the armor there that Gardner Minshew might be able to take advantage of. I've had this game down as a win all offseason. I think the Jaguars will beat the Colts at home. Like you said, Doug Marone has not lost to the Colts in Jacksonville. The Colts are 1-9, and nine, I believe, in their last 10 home openers. So I just think the stars are aligning for the Jaguars to come out and have a a moment where they kind of tell the collective football world, you know, we aren't tanking. Oh, let's hope so. Like you said, I mean, the numbers are uh, definitely with us on this one, but I guess we'll have to see. No doubt about it. Week two at Tennessee, it's an L. The Jaguars are not winning in Tennessee, not against Derrick Henry and Jadavion Clowney, who the Titans just signed. I don't see it happening. Obviously, Gardner Minshew did have a fantastic showing against them early on last season. Beat them in Jacksonville. But this is in Tennessee. Different story, different outcome, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I have to agree. You're going to have to chalk this one up as an L as well. I think, uh, you know, in Tennessee is always tough. Against the Titans, always tough. Against Derrick Henry, make it even more tough. I mean, he has just owned the Jaguars, uh, you know, since his time began in Tennessee. And uh, I I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think they're going to run up and down the field. This defense, obviously, its biggest issue last year, uh, you know, was containing the rush. And I think you saw Derrick Henry absolutely just go off uh, against Jacksonville, as we've seen you know, many times, and I think it's nothing's going to change, and they're just going to run up and down the field, look for Derrick Henry to at least have 150 and two touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think that is a stretch by any means. I mean, 150. It could Big be day. a lot more than that. <laughs> well, let's hope we can contain it to at least 150. Maybe we'll take the foot off the gas. I don't know. It's probably yeah. going to be, you know, I guess, as we're going to get into it, this is one of the games that I look at the schedule and, you know, I, I say early on, you're not really in, in, in mid-season form yet. There's still going to be some kinks to work out, especially with this you know crazy offseason. This might be one of the uglier games we play this year. Yeah, definitely could be. Um, and then following week, week three, Jaguars host the Dolphins on Thursday night football. Dolphins just named Fitzpatrick the starter entering the season. That's not really a surprise. The major question there is going to be, will he still be the starter entering week three? I do think he will be, and I think that might be the last game he starts because I don't think you want to get Tua in on a Thursday night after a short week. So I'm going to take the Jaguars to get a couple picks off Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, pull out a W against the Dolphins, who are in a similar position roster-wise to the Jaguars, in my opinion. I'll give him the W as well. I think this is a, the first you know, really winnable game on our schedule coming in. Um, I think you're going to see one of two things. Either Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to play pretty poor in the beginning of the season. And I think actually week three would be a, a solid time to get two in against a young defense, you know, probably a little bit better of a matchup for him. But then you're going to get an inexperienced quarterback that hopefully the Jaguars defense can make it a little uncomfortable. Um, or, you know, Ryan Fitzmagic is just doing Fitzmagic things. But there's a limitation on Fitzpatrick, you know. He, he has a, a very um, low floor, but I think his ceiling kind of, you know, caps itself out. I think you know what you can get out of Fitzpatrick, and it's really easy. Not, I don't want to say easy to game plan, but like I said, you know what you're going to get, so you know what you can work with, uh, you know, things you can do to um, kind of eliminate him uh, from making plays. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him move around too much, but, you know, get a rush on him and, and force some quick throws. Uh, I think the offense – might have a chance to really get some things rolling against that Dolphins defense as well. So uh, this could be a game that the Jaguars, you know, play it right and, and get some things rolling. Could be their first W of the season. Yeah, you know, I said the Jaguars and Dolphins roster in a similar place. I actually don't believe that. Uh, I'm not sure why that came out of my mouth. I think the Jaguars are a good bit ahead of them in terms of overall talent and what they can do this year. Uh, you've got the Jaguars through three weeks at one and two. I've got them at two and one. We are heading to Cincinnati in week four to take on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And there's no no questioning about that situation. Joe Burrow is the starter for the Bengals. And uh, he'll be leading a potent offense, an offense that maybe has some offensive line issues, a defense that might not be the best in football. How do you see this one playing out? I've got this one marked down as a win as well. Um, I think you'd I'm not going to put that in your mouth, but I think I think we're probably leaning the same way here. We are. Uh, we are. I think I think a young quarterback is going to give the defense a chance to make some plays. Uh, now, Joe Burrow could come out and be, you know, the next great thing and start shredding defenses early, but I don't expect that. I think it'll take him a little while to ease into it. Well, to see where AJ Green's at, um, you know, with with him coming off that foot injury, you know, is he going to be the same AJ Green? I think the X factor here in this game is going to be containing Joe Mixon. You're going to have to contain that run, something the Jaguars have had issues with in the past. But, like you said, offensive line issues are going to make it a little bit more difficult for them to get that run game going. So if we can contain Joe Mixon and you know force Joe Burrow to make some bad decisions, I think the team can very easily go in to Cincinnati and get a W. Again, that defense is not great either. So the offense is going to have a chance to put some points on the board. So hopefully they can go in there and steal a win from the Bengals. Yeah, okay, so... I've got him at three and one. You've got him at two and two. Let's just end the season right there. We'll be good <laughs> hopefully, to go. Hopefully that'll make the playoffs. <laughs> All right. So moving to week five at Houston, the Jaguars struggle against the Texans with Bill O'Brien at the helm. 
Deshaun Watson playing on another realm right now, in my opinion, probably will be to start the season. I don't think they're the most talented roster in the AFC South, but they do have the best player in the AFC South by far. I've got the Jaguars losing to the Texans and Houston in week five. I agree. Uh, unfortunately, the Jaguars are taking a loss here. I do think uh, Deshaun Watson is the best player um, in the AFC South. Like I said, I don't think it's close. He's got the upside to really you know, make the Texans a force to be reckoned with for the foreseeable future. Obviously, it's going to be great to see him and Mahomes battle over the next few years. I think it's going to be a key cog in the AFC power picture. Um, but here, you know, on offense, losing DeAndre Hopkins, it's going to be a pretty big gap. Um, you know, they, they've got some receivers who can do some things. Obviously, Will Fuller is still a speed demon on the outside. Brandon Cooks as well. And Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller can get some – they can both give, uh, you know, some some issues on the outside with their speed. But And they, they also got Cobb and uh, Kenny Stills still, so. They, they have some veteran guys yeah. as well, but, but really that outside speed I think is going to be their bread and butter. Um, it's going to be interesting to see – what they can do with the Johnson bros in the backfield. That's also going to be a big question mark. Can they get a consistent, you know, guy to produce out of the backfield? If they can, uh, you know, then their defense might, or their offense might balance out a little bit better. But if you're going to force Deshaun Watson to beat you, um, you know, he can, but, you know, force him to do it all day with his arm, you know, force the defense, uh, force the offense to make plays against your defense. Uh, you know, and if there's a lack of a running game, that definitely bodes better for the Jaguars, obviously. Um, I think in the past, you know, winding the Texans down with some ground and pound has been, you know, a good thing for Jacksonville. Obviously, we're not really going to have uh, that chance. So hopefully Gardner Minshew can put up some numbers and keep pace with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I do think the Jaguars have a advantage against their secondary with the receivers the Jaguars have. So it'll be interesting, but we've both got them losing to Deshaun Watson and the Texans there. I've got them at three and two. You're at two and three now, correct? Yep. Heading back home to take on the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford's back. Uh, They have a lot of talent on offense, but I do not think they have a very good defense. I think the Jaguars at home against the Lions right before the bye will get a W. I agree. Again, I think this would have been a game where it would have been great to have a consistent running uh, uh, production, uh, a consistent producer in the backfield. So, again, we're going to have to have some guys step up. Hopefully, uh, you know, by this time in the season, you've got a clear-cut backfield guy. Uh, you know, if we're still running by committee at this point, it's going to be a, a little bit, you know, of a question mark for me. Somebody's going to have to come out and carve a role in the backfield. But, again, like you said, Lions, not a great defense. I think this is a game that the Jaguars could win. Um, I think it's going to be uh, one of the easier games on the schedule. It's all going to be on Matt Stafford's back, and he can either have a really good game or a really poor game. So going and taking a, a W um, in Jacksonville from the Lions would be a, a great way to uh, go into the bye week. No doubt about it. Week seven, like you said, bye week. Week eight, traveling out to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. It is interesting that this game is coming off of a bye so they do have maybe some more time to get prepared and get acclimated, maybe go out to L.A. early. I'm not sure if they will do that. But I still have them taking an L. Even with the Chargers not having Derwin James, um, I think they have a lot of talent on defense, excellent defensive line, and they've got a lot of talent on offense. Um Obviously, we don't know if Terod Taylor will still be the starter at that point with Justin Herbert coming in, but it's just really tough for East Coast teams to win on the West Coast, so I'm definitely going to give the Jaguars an L for this one. I actually have to disagree with you. I think the Jaguars go over there and get uh, you know, an, a W, get a win over on the West Coast for a uh, very rare West Coast win for this team, but I think it all comes down to quarterback play. Again, Tyrod Taylor has certain limitations. Last time the Jaguars played Tyrod Taylor, you know, they only put up nine points. The Bills did, I guess. Obviously, that was a different defense and a different time, but you know what you're going to get week in and week out from Tyrod Taylor. I don't see him just coming in and burning up the Jaguars' defense. On the flip side, if you've got uh, the rookie quarterback over there, um, I'm blanking. I know this is really Herbert. bad. Yeah, Herbert. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name right there for a second. If you've got Herbert playing quarterback, you know, that's going to be a little bit of a – better chance for Jacksonville to get a win. I think, again, he's probably one of the less polished 
rookie quarterbacks out of the three. Um, I think he's going to need a little bit more time to grow. Uh, so they have a great defense, no doubt about it. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, uh, you know. but hopefully the Jaguars can get one more than the Chargers. I think this is going to be a game they can win on the West Coast. So are we both at four and three right now? We are both at four and three, but I will tell you, let's not get too excited because it goes downhill from here, my friend. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> All right. Moving on to week nine. Jaguars are four and three, according to both of us, after uh, seven games, which, gosh, that would just be such a crazy narrative to be watching. But returning home, playing the Houston Texans, what do you see, Jeremy? I think it's another loss, another divisional loss. Uh, now we're getting into midseason form. Now we're getting teams who are carving out their way to the playoffs. Uh, I think the Texans, whatever kinks they have on offense, are ironed out at this point, um, and they probably just roll through Jacksonville. I'm going to disagree here. I'm going to get the Jaguars to 5-3. and three. Uh, Gardner Minshew entering this game, if the Jaguars do lose in Week 5 to the Texans, will have lost his first three games to the Texans in his career. The first one was a nail-biter where the Jaguars were oh so close to uh, taking home that victory. Two-point conversion away from it. Not going to comment on the uh, play call on that one. I was just but, about to ask your thoughts on that because we <laughs> haven't, you know, part of that we haven't spoke. I liked the call last year personally. I know that was a very not well-received decision, but I liked I didn't, it. I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. I thought it was great to go and get – uh, you know, your new starting quarterback, try to get him a dub early. I thought that was a great, you know, great call, great idea. It didn't pan out. But, I mean, if you go in there and steal that victory, the season maybe goes a little bit differently. Yeah, so I just think Minshew's going to be sick and tired of losing to the Texans. And I think he's the type of quarterback that can kind of uh, gear himself up for certain games. And I think that'll be one where he's just, like, sick of it and ready to carry the Jaguars to a victory over the Texans. Let's hope so, man. I would love to see that. Yeah, and then this is an interesting matchup, tough matchup. Heading up to Green Bay in Week 10. Don't know what the weather will be like. It shouldn't be too cold yet, but you never know with Wisconsin weather. Uh, I've got the Jaguars taking an L to the Packers. I do think the Packers might fall down to earth this year uh, after a season in which they won a ton of really close games. They do have a good rushing game. They do have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they've got a great pass rush. So I do think the Jaguars will struggle playing up in Green Bay. This is a big L in Lambeau. Hands down, big L. The offense last year for the Packers saw a lot of kinks with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers kind of working themselves out in the first season. But I think that's all going to go away. I think the Packers are actually going to take a step up this year and go back to the Packers we've seen in the past. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day. I think Aaron Jones will probably have a field day. I don't think there's any realistic expectation of the Jaguars getting a win in Lambeau this year. Yeah, I mean, you never know. But uh, that's tough. That's a tough environment to go try to win and a tough team to go try to beat on the road. So then the Jaguars return home to take on the Steelers the next week. who They've got Ben Roethlisberger back this year. They've got Juju back in the slot. They've got Deontay Johnson, James Conner. I think they're a good football team. Uh, obviously, they have a very good defensive line. Some good, They've got good players on all the levels of their defense. When you look at Casey Hayward, TJ Watt, and then uh, the rookie from Michigan at linebacker, the rookie last year, um, first-round pick. I can't remember his name. Devin something. He's a hell of a player. And then they've obviously got Minka Fitzpatrick, on the back end with some other talented cornerbacks and safeties back there. So having said all that, I think it'll be a very entertaining game. And I think Minshew will get a W against the Steelers at home. Wow. Wow. Big one there. There's no team I hate more in the league than the Steelers. And I love seeing the Jacksonville Jaguars run through the Steelers, but not here. I don't think this is the time. I think the, here we go. We'll, we'll take our third loss in a row. Um, that offense, you know, is they're going to have all their firepower back. You know, you're going to have Big Ben back again. And if he's shown us anything, it's consistency, uh, you know, year in and year out. And that offense, like I said, is explosive. Deontay Johnson is explosive. James Conner is explosive. That defense is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I just, they're going to be too much to handle. Yeah. 
I wouldn't be shocked if they lose that one. I kind of look at these two games, the Steelers game and then the next one at home against the Browns. I think they win one of those games. I couldn't figure out which one it's going to be, but I do think they win one of them. So I just picked the Steelers because I do think the Browns, they're going to be out this year for some redemption. Kevin Stefanski's coming in as the head coach. I think he's going to do a much better job um, than uh, what's his name did last year. Freddie. Good old yeah, Fred, Fred Kitchens. Kitchens. Yeah, he was not prepared to be an NFL head coach. I do think Kevin Stefanski is. I think with uh, with Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you've got a really talented couple running backs there. You've got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, some other good receivers. So I think that'll be a tough game, and I have it down as an L, but I do think the Jaguars are going to split one-on-one one between the Steelers and Browns. I think this is a loss as well. Now we're we're hitting four straight here. I think uh, that offensive firepower for Cleveland is just really going to catch fire this year, and they're just going to roll. I think you're going to see a big step from Baker Mayfield this year. I think he has to. I think he has to finally show that he can be the guy. Uh, and like you said, that two-headed monster in the backfield is going to be a dynamic problem. And you've got two great receivers on the outside, just way too much for the Jaguars' defense to handle. I think Cleveland rolls. Fair enough. Uh, don't blame me for that prediction at all. I'm at 6-5 and five right now. Where are you at? I am at 4-7. and seven. All right. Fair enough. I do think that it's a fair – the games that you've predicted losses, I think it's fair. Uh, I don't have a problem with any of them. Like we've talked about in the past, though, I think with this uh, favorable early season schedule, I think the Jaguars get rolling a little bit. And when that confidence starts going for a, t- a team that is young and talented, I think they can compete with some of these uh, some of these more experienced and some talented teams. But moving into Week 13, heading to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. What do we see here, Jeremy? I've got it chalked up as another loss. I mean, you know, that defense is going to be absolutely suffocating. Jan is going to be on a revenge tour. He's going to show us why we botched that whole situation, I think. And I just, you know, on the other side, you've got ends that can rush. You've got big defensive tackles. Harrison Smith roaming the back. I mean, that defense is just going to suffocate the Jaguars offense. I don't think you have to really, not saying you don't have to be concerned about the Vikings offense, but that's not going to be how they're going to beat you. They're going to suffocate you, wear you down with the run. You know, they're not going to see too many big time plays. I think with Stevon Diggs, uh, you know, leaving for Buffalo, you're going to see more of a consistent, you know, dink and dunk game with Kirk Cousins, which I mean, he is great at. I think they're just going to pick you apart meticulously down the field, wear you down, and eventually it's just going to be too much. Chalk it up as a loss. I agree. Six and six for the Jaguars on my end. You've got him at four and eight. They're heading home to take on their arch rival, Tennessee Titans. I've got them taking a dub against the Titans after losing in week two against them. Uh, the Jaguars are better against the Titans in Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew uh, coming off a couple tough games, a bunch of tough games, really. I think the Titans are a decent team, but I don't think they're at the level of some of these other teams the Jaguars will have just played. And I think Minshew will bounce back and get a W against the Titans in Week 14. I think you're coming off four consecutive losses. The Titans are about to make it five. I just think you hit such a rough patch in the schedule down the stretch here. Told you it was going to get ugly, um, and, and I just think it doesn't get any better. The Titans have a pretty damn good defense as well. But again, they're going to run the ball down your throat. Derrick Henry is going to have another field day, maybe another 150. And uh, I just I, I can't see the Jacksonville Jaguars winning either game against the Titans this year. Fair enough. So I've got them at seven and six. Where are you at now? Four and eight. We're at four and nine. Four and nine. Four and nine. Right. Okay. So I think you might be at six straight losses, something like that. But um, then, of course, I mean, it doesn't get any easier here. You're traveling up to Baltimore in Week 15 to take on Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, all these talented guys, J.K. Dobbins, and then I'm not even mentioning the defense featuring Calais Campbell and some other just really talented defenders. So I don't know how you could predict the Jaguars to win that one. 
yeah, not going to waste any time on this. Chalk it up as a loss. Game over. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. The second to last game of the season, Chicago Bears at home, week 16. Uh, is it Mitch Trubisky? Is it Nick Foles? Is it neither? We don't know. Right now it's Mitch Trubisky. I doubt the person that starts the season will finish the season for the Chicago Bears. They have a talented defense, and they do have Allen Robinson, but they don't have the best running backs, in my opinion, and David Montgomery is dealing with some injury right now. Um, I think the Jaguars pull out a W against the Bears. Coming off a seven-game skid, I agree. I think the Jaguars uh, will get a win here. Uh, That quarterback room is a major question mark. I think, if anything, bringing in Nick Foles probably is going to uh, hurt uh, Trubisky overall, and I really don't think you know either of them are going to be uh, successful this season if they do end up going to Nick Foles at some point down the stretch. It'll be a low-scoring game. The Bears' defense is still a force to be reckoned with, uh, but I think Minshew outduels whoever's on the other side. I think the Jaguars get a low-scoring victory against the Bears. All right. We're finally back on the same page, and we are heading to Indy for the final game of the season, taking on the Colts. I've got it as an L. Um, I don't think that Frank Reich's going to lose to Doug Marone twice in one season, plain and simple. I agree, but I've got it as an L anyway, so I don't think he's going to uh, – they're going to drop both to the Colts. Um, I think uh, at this point in the season, whether it be uh, you know Week 17 against the Colts or Week 16 against the Bears, I think you're going to see someone else at the helm, maybe Jay Gruden. I think uh, if the Jaguars do take a seven-game skid um, into Week 16, I think Marone's out. I think at some point in the season, he's probably out. So I think it's going to come, like I said, week 16. Uh, I meant to mention that we were talking about the Bears. I think they're canned, and it's probably Gruden uh, as the interim coach for the last two weeks. And I think, again, the Colts are going to steal a win. They're probably going to be pushing for the playoffs, um, a wild card spot uh, most likely, and I think they're going to have the upper hand in that regard. Um, again, Phillip Rivers has just been a thorn in Jacksonville's side. Every year that he's been in the league, every time we played them, he just absolutely shreds our defense. So I think nothing changes here. I think the Colts roll again and uh, the Jaguars are going to be sitting at five and 11 by my count after the end of the season, probably sitting themselves very nicely in the fourth or fifth pick. Uh, and they just wasted a season because they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I don't think it would be a complete waste. Uh, still, when you look at Trey Lance and Justin Fields, I like both of those guys, but of course, Trey Lawrence is the crown jewel. Uh, I've got the Jaguars finishing eight and eight. I know I'm more optimistic about this club than most people, but with that favorable early season schedule, they jump out to four and two record. And then after that, they kind of falter a bit. You know, they don't go 500 after that from my, where I'm sitting, but they do still compete. I just don't think Gardner Minshew and these offensive weapons and the whole the whole uh, defense is going to be bad enough to just lose seven straight games like you mentioned. I do think they might lose two or three in a row here and there, but when you talk about the improvements they made at linebacker, what I see as an improved defensive line and what I really think is going to be an offense that surprises a lot of people in terms of at least being around league average – I think it's a team that's going to finish eight and eight and surprise a lot of people. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't see it. Uh, I know you think, you know, the defense line has, has been improved during camp, but again, you're missing key guys. You're missing Ngakwe. You're missing Calais Campbell. And, and even with those guys, we struggled last year. So I don't and think you can really go ahead. They didn't struggle. Those guys particularly. Those guys didn't struggle, but as a unit, it was the linebackers for the most part, man. I mean, after Marcel Darius went down, that hurt the defensive tackle spot for sure. But um, those linebackers outside of Miles Jack, they were just awful. And Ronnie Harrison, like we said, very inconsistent playing uh, that strong safety position. It'll be interesting for sure. I can totally understand people who are less optimistic. But for me, it comes down to I like the coaching staff with Jay Gruden on offense. I like Doug Marone as a head coach, kind of a um, – CEO type coach, you know, players coach. I like Gardner Minshew. I love the receivers. And I think there's more talent around the rest of the team than a lot of people do. 
it's it's all question marks. A lot of floating question marks. Can this defense come together as a cohesive unit? Can this offensive line improve? Can some of these running backs carve out a role? Can Gardner Minshew take that next step and be that guy? Too many what ifs for all of them to be answered, uh, you know, in a positive way for this team to really find a lot of luck. I think they're going to have the benefit of the doubt early on. Some teams are not really going to know which way they're going to go in regards to the offense, um, you know, with a new scheme, with that kind of stuff, not really seeing any preseason tape. I think they're going to have a little bit of luck tricking some guys up. But like I said, once you get, you know, into week eight, after that, that schedule, that gauntlet of Texans, Packers, Steelers, and, you know, the Browns are in there, but I still think the Browns are good. And then you got Vikings, Titans, Ravens. That's a tough, tough chunk of schedule. And I don't think if you can start off fast with, you know, four or five wins like i think you had the mad four and two to start then it's really gonna you know become an uphill battle that's a really tough stretch of games down there at the end so i just don't know if the team has it i really don't i'd, I'd love to see it don't get me wrong but too many what ifs that need to be answered before we can see you know what this team can really do in the wins call i guess to me i i disagree just because i think what i've seen from these players throughout training camp and you know new additions seeing what they did at their prior spots. I think it's going to come together nicer than a lot of people do. There are a lot of questions. I think that they have done enough for me to buy into Minshew doing exactly what he did last year, which is going 500 as a starter. And uh, it'll be a heck of a time to see how it all plays out. Like I've said before, Jaguars Colts week one, if they come out of there with a W, it is going to be really interesting to follow the narratives and just see what is going on with the team and with the fan base and with what the national media starts saying. It'll be really interesting. Absolutely. And I, I want to have high hopes. I really do. I want to have high hopes. But How sad know. is it that me saying that the Jaguars are 8-8 eight and eight is high hopes? That is – but I mean you look at the, the, the previous years besides that 2017 one, it was really, really wild. When you look back at it with everything going on. And I mean, just we haven't seen a lot of winning in the past couple of years. Eight and eight is definitely a win. Like I said, you know, previously, if this team wins eight games, if this team puts himself in a position to secure a wild card spot or, you know, now I think about it, at least be, you know, competitive, uh, you know, then it's probably a win in, in the season's eyes. Because what do you expect from this team outside of, you know, people in the building? Uh, maybe yourself and you know a few other you know fans. People aren't really expecting much from this team, so I think eight wins for this team is a huge uh, improvement. Yeah, I mean, from an optics standpoint, I think you're right, but from a practical standpoint, six wins last year, all of them with Gardner Minshew. I think same thing happens this year with a roster that's maybe a little bit less talented as a whole on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot more talented on offense when you look at the development of the receiving core, uh, bringing in Eifert, kind of steadying out the offensive line, hopefully. So we'll see. It'll be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for Sunday, 1 o'clock, Jaguars-Colts. How about it? Sunday, 1 o'clock, Jaguars-Colts, man. Cannot wait. Uh, I can't wait for Thursday either. Just Let's just get some NFL oh, football too. action in. It's going to be exciting. Um, you know, I, I guess we'll – probably sit down again sometime this week and discuss a preview of the Colts Jaguars game in more depth, but man, I'm itching for some football. Yeah. We'll get into some more like matchup based talk, you know, one-on-one matchups and stuff like that down the road this week. Maybe, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, look out for that. But um, yeah, that's going to do it for the show today. Appreciate everybody listening. Hope y'all all have a great labor day, rest of your labor day. Um, be sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And make sure to check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Thanks, Duval. Duval. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.